Hey everyone, thanks for listening to SwiftCast. If you're a fan of Taylor, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on iTunes or your podcast app, and it will automatically download our episodes for you each week. We have a lot of exciting episodes and guests as Reputation rolls out, so you'll only be doing yourself a favor by subscribing. Also, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr, at SwiftCast13, or you can find all of our episodes and social media at our website, SwiftCast13.com. Enjoy the show! Hey guys, welcome to episode 233 of SwiftCast. This is Ashley, Adam, Nate, and Steph. And we are bringing you a very special episode because we wanted to do one last episode before Reputation comes out. Can you guys believe it? No. We're recording on a Wednesday. And so really, in about... 27 hours the album should be on itunes yeah we thought that when taylor released the track list on tuesday night that we wanted to put out an episode just giving our opinions about the names of the songs um hopefully a lot of you will be listening to this on thursday right before the album comes out on friday and I think I mentioned on our last episode that I was wondering if Taylor would possibly do what she did for 1989, which was post every day a lyric from one of the songs. And I was hoping she would, but now I'm kind of glad she didn't because I feel like for 1989, it set expectations for the songs and I'm kind of am excited to just go in without any expectations. Yeah, that's a good point. We know the four songs that have been released so far, but there's 11 more that we have no idea about. So listening to them for the first time is going to be awesome. So I just want to say, how many times over the past three years did Ed Sheeran say that he knew nothing about this album? <laughs> so true, though. Every single interview that he had, he goes, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then when he, uh, when they kind of hinted at it, he's like, he's like, oh yeah, uh, it, Taylor's doing really good, and she's, you know, uh, she's doing her thing. She's doing her thing. <laughs> it's like, okay, Ed. <laughs> but I don't know. There was a video around the release of Divide where people were asking him about it, and his answer and his body language—you could just tell he knew, but he didn't want to say. And in March, he was spotted leaving Taylor's apartment in New York. So. I just realized that after we saw the track list, he was there and he came out carrying something, probably the demo locked up in a box that he was carrying. Yeah, because that's exactly how he described what they did for Everything Has Changed. Right. It was shipped to him. Wasn't it an iPad that was shipped to him in a locked box? I think he said someone physically brought the iPad to him and then left with it. Okay. But we'll get a little more into ed and the track list and the song names in a minute first we wanted to give an update on our giveaway we have a really exciting giveaway that's been going on on our twitter you can follow us at swiftcast13 to see all of the steps to enter and we are giving away five of the target magazines which everyone is of course so excited about and five physical reputation cds and so this has been going on for a couple of weeks. 
And we announced our, our first two winners on the last episode. So we want to congratulate four more winners that we've now chosen. So congratulations to Fearless Sammy 13, Megan Swifty 89, TS in Wonderland, and BB Swift 13. You guys are awesome, and we're so excited to get to ship you a prize. Ooh, congratulations, guys. I'm actually a little jealous, personally, because I really want that Orange Reputation magazine. Uh, I'm, I'm torn because I've seen that it's going to be at Target on Black Friday uh, for cheaper. I don't know if I'm just going to hold out until then and buy it, or uh, if I'm just going to end up buying it right away. I'm really not sure, but uh, either way, I'm super jealous of you guys. Well, did you guys see what Taylor posted today, the back of the magazines? Right. Those are fantastic. Yeah, they're hilarious. They're complete satires, and just the headlines all over them are absolutely hilarious. And she actually was using Us Weekly and OK Magazine as kind of the template for both back pages. And like Adam said, the headlines are just hilarious. Meredith is going insane in the one headline, and and another one has Who is Olivia's Real Father? And- <laughs> And so thinking about that, like the front versus the back of the magazine feels like it ties together with just the whole two sides to Taylor with this album and how the cover has her face covered by newspaper on one side. Right. That's such a good point. That was a genius move for her to do that with the magazines. And it's just kind of funny that, you know, we've been waiting since August officially for this album and... I feel like we still know so little, like we're just kind of guessing at, at what Taylor's trying to say. So I'm definitely excited for these magazines since they will be really the first big pieces of content that we've gotten from her. Oh my God, absolutely. I mean, I know I'm excited, at least just to see like some of those watercolor paintings. Yeah, that was a hobby that Taylor started before 1989 came out, and I'm glad that she's continued it because we've seen those paintings pop up all over the place with her. So at the end of our last episode, we discussed how many albums we thought Reputation will sell in the first week, and we were talking about whether streaming would play a factor in that, but it actually came out this week that Taylor has decided not to put Reputation, the entire album, on any streaming services for the first week. Yeah, which is an interesting move. Um, If you guys don't know how they actually calculate first week album sales, uh, there's a lot of like moving parts to it, a lot of, uh, you know, different ways that they can, that they, you know, pull these numbers from and and total them up. But it's actually really simple. It boils down to a few different things. Uh, Of course, physical album sales, uh, you know, that one we all know for sure. The next thing is something called an album equivalent unit, uh, which in this case, I'm assuming streaming doesn't count for her somehow. Um, I thought it might, but apparently it doesn't. Uh, Album equivalent units basically are either 10 song downloads or 1,500 streams of music. So it's actually pretty simple. So basically they they total everything up from iTunes and and Walmart and Target and, uh, you know, all these different retailers. And that's the number that Nielsen SoundScan gets for the first week. So then do you know what it meant last week in the news when it said pre-orders have hit 400,000 units? 
I'm assuming that meant both physical album sales, digital album sales, and these album equivalent units. Though, I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, it's a little confusing. Instead of copies, the term is units. But I do think this is a brilliant move. I think people will criticize Taylor for it, as they always do. But to prohibit the album from being streaming for the first week, I think will drive up first week sales. And we know Taylor does care about first week sales. Every single album she's had has increased in first week sales. So she's seeing just a great progressive incline and she wants to see that continue for album six. Yeah. And I think people are, of course, really quick to say everyone streams. Why won't she just do that? But most artists, when they put out an album, just don't have a track record like this that they're trying to uphold. So it's just not the same decision. And I'm sure she'll get some backlash, but I think most fans like us are interested in getting a physical copy or purchasing it on iTunes in addition to streaming, if we're going to stream it at all. So to wait a week for streaming is completely fine. And I think we all look forward to listening to our physical copy or the iTunes copy. And I do have to say, Nate, I think you should just buy the magazine now. You, you got to help out the first week. So <laughs> That's very true. Oh, and actually, that reminds me, now that you say that, if you guys are planning on purchasing multiple albums, you have to do so in separate transactions, or else it doesn't count. One transaction will only count for one unit sale. So make sure if you're buying like, you know, two, three, ten, forty uh, different albums, they're each their own transaction. I'm really glad you said that because I forgot about that. I knew that during 1989, but you know, I still don't understand why that is. I don't know either. I think it has to do with the way that Nielsen SoundScan actually compiles the data, uh, though I'm not too sure. Well, definitely an important reminder and tell everybody you know the same thing so that everybody knows to do that. And we will be right back to talk about the track list. So as of recording this, we've had the track list from Taylor for about 24 hours. I don't know about you guys. I feel like I'm still absorbing it. Right, which makes me wonder how long I'll need to absorb the album. Absolutely. I mean, a couple of these tracks really jumped out at me. Uh, just the just the titles. I mean, and they say, you know, never judge a book by its cover, you know, however that translates to music. But uh, some of these look really awesome. Other ones I'm curious about. I, I'm kind of wondering what the tone is, like what, what the actual overall theme is. So, If you guys haven't seen the track list, it's posted on Taylor's Instagram, but I'll just go ahead and read it for you in order. Ready for it? End game featuring Ed Sheeran and Future. I did something bad. Don't blame me. Delicate. Look what you made me do. So it goes. Dot dot dot. Which might be important. Gorgeous. Getaway car. King of my heart. Dancing with our hands tied. Dress. This is why we can't have nice things. Call it what you want. New Year's Day. And importantly, in this photo of the back cover of the album, Taylor is listed as the executive producer, and then the producers are listed as Jack Antonoff, Max Martin, and Shellback. And which is not to say that there aren't any other collaborators in the individual tracks, but basically it's a Taylor, Jack, Martin, and Shellback album. I gotta say this right now. Did we call that or what? I mean, come on. 
Yeah, I, I think it was predicted. Although, I have to say, I, I'm a little disappointed. Taylor has worked with Nathan Chapman as a producer on every single album. And maybe he still collaborated with her somehow on a song, but it looks like he's not included as a producer. That's true. I mean, he was huge for, you know, Speak Now and Red, among other albums. I mean, to not see Nathan Chapman on this album is kind of strange. Right. For 1989, he was only on This Love, and that was it. So I guess it's not too surprising. But Taylor just has such a good story about him. I remember when she did the listening session for music industry people, she said that Nathan Chapman had this shack, pretty much, and and nobody thought she should work with him, but she did. And they just had such great work product, but we don't know yet. Maybe he's involved in some other way. He could definitely be a co-writer. Exactly, yeah. It will be fun to read everything about the co-writers on these songs. And, I mean, it seems a little bit unlikely, but I'm still hoping maybe Brian Tedder is a co-writer, because when I think of Taylor, I immediately think of him. I have for years. Right. Ryan Tedder is someone from 1989 who I was hoping to see involved with Taylor again on this album. And of course, we can't forget about Jack Antonoff, a music legend who has co-produced songs with Taylor before. This guy is brilliant. I'm so excited that he is on this album, featured on this album, no less. Well, and I think, I'm not sure how Taylor listed this, because it is in alphabetical order when you read Jack Antonoff, Max Martin, Shell Black, and Taylor Swift. So I'm not sure how she listed it, but Jack is first. So we'll have to see what that means. And so diving into just kind of a track by track reaction. So obviously we start out with Ready For It. And then we talked a little bit about Ed. So the song is End Game and it has Ed and Future. I'm not very familiar with Future. No, I'm not either. I actually, I was looking up some of Future's singles, but none of them rang a bell to me. I'm really excited, though, and we never mentioned this on any other episodes, but it seemed like Taylor was trying to give hints about this in the Ready For It music video, because when we talked about that video, we talked about the Chinese symbols in it, but some of the symbols we didn't cover included Ed's name and Future, so that was really interesting. I love knowing now that they're both on this album, that she did that for the video. It's just funny. And something that I was thinking about just as I was reading this whole track list is that for 1989 specifically, I remember when we knew the names of the songs, just from reading them, I thought, oh, this will be an upbeat one. This will be a slow one. This will be like the ballad. And I was pretty much wrong on all of them. Right. That's why we need to predict again what we think so that we can be (laughs) wrong again. Although I think a lot of that probably had to do with, like I said a minute ago, the lyrics that Taylor shared beforehand and what I took from that. Because I remember all you had to do was stay, especially being track five, I thought was going to be a sad song. And obviously the lyrics are kind of sad, but the song itself is not what I was expecting. That's such a good point. I remember thinking the same thing. Just the title, all you had to do was stay, sounds like something really sad. And slow. To me, Endgame, though, just the title alone produces so many images in my head. I'm not really sure. I feel like it could be about a relationship. It could also have something to do with maybe the media. But I'm guessing 
because this features Ed and Future, this will be a really upbeat song. And I would definitely predict that this will be a single. I just feel like it has to be, right? I would think so. I think so. I mean, a collaboration like this, of this magnitude, I feel like is going to be, uh, if not a smash hit off of the album, at least a future single off of the album. And one little connection for Endgame here. Do you guys remember when there were rumors in the past year or so about Taylor collaborating with Drake? Right. So one song of Futures that you may know is Jumpman. Jumpman is a song that is by Drake and Future together in collaboration. Oh, okay. Isn't that the song that Taylor used in her Apple Music treadmill commercial? Yes, exactly right. So a little connection there, yeah. Interesting. Okay, that's good to know. I did not know that. Okay, so we have track three, a little dramatic of a title, I Did Something Bad. This one really jumped out at me. <laughs> it's such an interesting title. It's it's almost like it's almost like it shouldn't be a title. It doesn't sound right, but I just can't wait to see what the the topic or the theme of this song is. But then also compare it against the next song. So you have I Did Something Bad and then you have Don't Blame Me. Yeah, a bit of a contrast there. It's kind of interesting. Right. And you have to wonder if those two are connected somehow. Yeah. Do they go together? Maybe. Time did this great article today. If you haven't read it, it's called Let's Discuss the New Taylor Swift Song Titles Off Her Complete Reputation Tracklist. And for those two song titles, they thought that both songs would refer to headlines in the media. That was my first impression. But maybe that was her idea to get people to think that and it's really about something else. But I think both of those song titles immediately were intriguing to me when I read them. So track five, Delicate. We've heard many times from fans that Taylor is definitely aware that track five is a thing amongst the fans that people put a lot of meaning associated with track five, basically because of All Too Well. Right. And the other track fives included Dear John, White Horse, of course, All You Had to Do Was Stay. But with respect to track five, fans who did attend the secret sessions mentioned that this song is very emotional and I think had some people in tears. So I was going to ask that. Was that the same song? I also saw that Call It What You Want was the song that people were in tears about. Right. I heard both. So... I definitely heard a lot of reference to track five being very, very emotional. So I'm really looking forward to hearing that one. So then we have Look What You Made Me Do, which we've obviously talked a lot about. But then immediately following it is So It Goes with an ellipsis, the three dots afterwards. And so people are trying to analyze the fact that Ready For It begins with three dots beforehand And then So It Goes has the three dots after it. So is that sort of dividing the second half of the album? Oh, that's a good point. That is a good point. Could be. And the thing that immediately came to my mind when I read So It Goes is the line, So It Goes, you two are dancing in a snow globe round and round from You Are In Love. So I wonder if it is somehow related to that song. Well, and Style also had the line, So It Goes, in it. So that's interesting. Maybe she's doing a callback to previous songs. We've seen that, especially in Call It What You Want, there were a ton of references to her older songs. But 
what's really interesting is Taylor has never used an ellipsis in any song title. And now for Reputation, she has two songs with using an ellipsis. And so my first thought about the album, right from Look What You Made Me Do, when thinking about the fact that it was track six, close to the middle of the album, was that the songs before it would basically be about maybe, you know, how Taylor was sort of living her life in the 1989 era and towards the end of it. And then Look What You Made Me Do would sort of be the breaking point of a lot of the media events that happened last year. And then the rest would kind of be about how she's been living her life since then. And I still feel like there might be something to that. Yeah, when you read all of these titles, that makes a lot of sense. Because Gorgeous is kind of about the beginning of something. Right, finding somebody, yeah. Very true. That would be a really interesting approach, a kind of chronological approach to Taylor's past three years or so. And so, as we mentioned, seven was So It Goes, eight is Gorgeous. So then we have nine, which is Getaway Car. And Taylor definitely has used car themes throughout a lot of her music. Oh, yeah. Red, Wildest Dreams. She's mentioned pickup trucks before. Style, you know, Midnight, Picks Me Up. Not that I'm saying this will have to do with any of those songs, but I'm interested to see. I don't really have a prediction for for what the song will be about. But the title of it suggests some sort of adventure like the songs that we just referenced have, and probably more of a narrative kind of a song, which... Might be why I'm really looking forward to hearing that one. When I first read the song title, I immediately thought of the Look What You Made Me Do music video, where you see Taylor in that car, uh, and she crashes into the pole with the Grammy. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if maybe that's what kind of the song is about. Uh, there's a lot of speculation on what that could have meant in the music video. So I wonder if that's maybe what that was referencing. Yeah, that's a good connection I didn't think of, but... I could definitely see it because if you think of the term getaway car, it's often speeding off really quickly and maybe that was the case and it crashed. Yeah. And really getaway car kind of reminds me of I did something bad. It's like I did something bad and then later you have this getaway car. Interesting. So we have track 10, King of My Heart. It seems like there's a lot of queen and crown sort of themes going on with this album. Yeah, that's really true. I had not thought of that. Well, especially in Call It What You Want, the castle is crumbling, they took the crown. We know there are no coincidences when it comes to Taylor. Well, and even Look What You Made Me Do has references to Kingdom Keys, and here's King of My Heart. I guess in my head I think of it as a slow song, but I feel like I'm going to be wrong, and it will be fast. I agree. I kind of feel like it'll be a slow song, or at least one that... uh... Maybe Taylor has poured a lot of emotion into. So then we have track 11, which is Dancing With Our Hands Tied. That one's really intriguing. I don't really know what to think about that one. Yeah, Taylor does mention dancing a lot. Dancing in the pouring rain, dancing in the refrigerator light. So this one's Dancing With Our Hands Tied. So I'm intrigued to see what she exactly means by that. Someone, because of course our fans are so smart, came up with a connection where I don't know what award show it was where Taylor had a speech talking to the fans that said, you guys were there for me when my hands were tied behind my back. Oh, 
Now, I don't know if that has anything to do with this, but they were like, what if this is a song about the fans and us being there for Taylor when her hands are tied? I don't know. I mean, it might not be, but I just think it's fascinating how everybody always picks up on those little things. Well, yeah, it's so impressive that people remember that. So track 12 is Dress. It's a really simple title. And one thing that I just thought about, you know how Taylor always has or often has these very long titles, Look What You Made Me Do, and we have to abbreviate them when we're tweeting <laughs> about them. And then spell the acronym wrong. Right, and then and then it's trending on Twitter incorrectly. And really, if you look at this full track list, she's staying pretty consistent with that idea of having wordy titles, which I love. But dress is very simple, kind of like style was a very simple title. Kind of reminds me of that. I remember when 1989 was being previewed and people were describing Wildest Dreams as one of the more mature songs with more mature lyrics that Taylor had ever done. And people definitely, from what I've heard, have been describing this song the same way. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. So it'll be interesting. And we haven't talked much about this, but I know Taylor wants everyone to remember that this is supposed to be a nighttime album, as she put it. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Okay, so track 13, This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things. What a title. What a title, and definitely one that, like I said, we'll have to use an acronym. T-I-W-W-C-H-N-T. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think people will mess that up when they're quickly typing. I mean, I couldn't even get this is what you came for correct ever when I was tweeting about it. Right. I'm still trying to learn we are never, ever getting back together. (laughs) I'm still stuck on that. (laughs) And so I saw a funny joke on social media about this is why we can't have nice things, that maybe it's about Meredith and Olivia because they just knock over everything in her house. (laughs) I feel like that would be hilarious and I would love it, but I think it's probably more about, I keep going back to the media, but this doesn't seem like a love song to me. It's interesting that this is track 13. It's also interesting to me because... I feel like the phrase, this is why we can't have nice things, is kind of a colloquialism that's maybe a little older, at least in my experience. So I thought it was kind of strange for her to use it as a song title. Kind of like how Demi Lovato has Sorry Not Sorry as a song right now, which to me is a little bit outdated. Maybe people still say that a lot, but in a way, it just makes me that more intrigued in what this song will actually be about. Yeah, I think it's definitely a call-out of somebody. I just don't know who or what it is. So then we have Call It What You Want, which, like we said so far, has been our favorite song that's been released, so I'm glad she saved it for Towards the End. Yeah. And then the final track, which might be the one I'm honestly most curious about, New Year's Day. Oh yeah, me too. Especially because Taylor has such a way of ending the album even since her debut album, she had our song, Play It Again. She had Change for Fearless. She had Begin Again for Red. And of course, Clean for 1989. And so just the title, New Year's Day, kind of reminds me of like a Begin Again or an R song that has Play It Again in it kind of a thing. It seems like just a a new day. 
And I, I kind of wonder if this will be in relation to the actual New Year's Day, as in January 1st of some year, or if it will be more of a metaphor of starting over and being brand new. Well, Taylor did tell a fan on Tumblr that this would be a good song to play at a wedding. Right. So it seems like it might be a romantic kind of song. You know, with what you were saying before, Ashley, about maybe it being a progression of what Taylor had been either doing with her life or feeling like like a big timeline, basically, uh, to see this at the end of the track list would still fit with what you're saying. It would. And another point that's been brought up by fans is we've discussed a lot about how this is Taylor's last album that she is contracted to with Big Machine. And we've been wondering for a while about what that will mean with her career. So this could be a marker for the start of an even more brand new era for her. Yeah, that's so true. I was wondering the same thing. It's just that because Taylor said this would be a good wedding song, I'm just not sure. I don't know. I feel like weddings are sort of about new beginnings and things like that. I feel like it could all tie together, maybe. Yeah, celebrations. Yeah. So if you guys could pick one of these songs to hear right this minute and not have to wait until tomorrow night, which would it be? Well, personally, I'm torn. I'm down to two songs. Uh, it's either going to be Endgame, of course, the Ed Sheeran Future song, or Dress. I think those have the most hype, at least for the album for me. See, I would go with Delicate or New Year's Day. I would go with New Year's Day or I Did Something Bad. And I'm going to go with Endgame. I'm just really curious how Taylor, Ed, and Future all collaborated and mixed together on a song. It's going to be so interesting. Well, luckily, we only have to wait just a little more than a day. We hope you guys enjoyed listening to this while we all just sit here rocking back and forth, just refreshing iTunes and <laughs> waiting for it to appear because I feel like the time is moving so slowly. Just think about it. The next time you'll be listening to SwiftCast, we will have all heard reputation. Crazy, but true. So something exciting that happened just while we were recording this, the CMA Awards are airing right now, tonight from Nashville, and Taylor just won the Song of the Year for Better Man. This is so exciting. Go Taylor! And surprisingly, this is the first time Taylor has ever won Song of the Year at the CMAs. Isn't that crazy? Is it really? I'm shocked. Yeah, I actually checked because I was so surprised. And so she tweeted, In New York City for SNL rehearsals, I love you, Little Big Town and CMAs. And the video that she posted on Twitter is actually really funny because it shows the back of her head. She's looking at the TV. She's wearing a plaid shirt. Her hair is in a curly ponytail. And I'm like, is this Speak Now, Taylor? <laughs> that is exactly what I thought, too. <laughs> like, It looked like 2009, her getting ready for SNL in 2009. Yeah, just like the fact of her being in a living room, you know, watching the award show. I feel like, feel like she's always at the show. We haven't seen this side of her in forever. So such awesome news leading into Reputation. I'm so glad that she gave us the songs that she did while she was on a break. And obviously this one was well worth it. And she picked the perfect people to record it with Little Big Town. Absolutely. And as we're recording, the show is still going on. 
and Better Man is up for some other awards. So on our next episode, we'll update you with any other awards she won. So make sure to keep a close eye on our Twitter this week at SwiftCast13, obviously for reputation updates and also just for our giveaway, which is still going on. We have several more copies of the magazine and the album to give away. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr, all at SwiftCast13. You can go to our website, SwiftCast13.com, or you can email us at SwiftCast13show at gmail.com. And we love hearing from you guys. I mean, all the time, but especially now, we want to hear all of your reactions. We can't wait. Yes, we'll definitely be back with a ton of coverage of Reputation. We expect there to be a lot of news and exciting things going on in the coming weeks. So we will see you very soon. And for now, for episode 233, this has been Ashley, Adam, Nate, and Steph. And we'll see you guys in just a couple of days. See ya. Thank you. Bye, guys. Later. Later.